A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are all doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are discerned spiritually. Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they themselves are subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from the Gospel according to John. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be as one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
Then God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Good evening and welcome. Please be seated. Welcome once again to Trinity Cathedral for Evensong this evening. A reminder, we will gather as what this, this coming Sunday for Evensong uh, as we celebrate the Aeolian Skinner organ. So if you haven't had a chance to make reservations for that, we hope you will. We're looking forward to a grand celebration. This evening, we welcome the Reverend Matthew Wooster. Uh, he is the newly called pastor of Plymouth Church in Shaker Heights. Right down the street from me, I'll just go ahead and tell you, they also moved into the best block for trick-or-treating in all of the east side of Cleveland. If, if you were handing out candy and you met an elf and a target receipt, then you met my children. You might remember that. Um, we welcome you to preach on a day where we are celebrating one of my favorite Anglican divines, Richard Hooker, no pressure. We welcome you, and we're so glad to have you here at Trinity Cathedral. It is an honor to be with you in this sacred time, and I am grateful to Trinity Cathedral for faithfully upholding the holy and beautiful tradition of choral evensong, which I find as a gift for myself. I'm also grateful for the spirit of Christian unity in your welcome of this clergy person from the United Church of Christ, 
especially on this day after election day, a day that in every cycle to greater or lesser degrees brings with it feelings of hope and celebration, perhaps, also feelings of uncertainty about the future and even conflict and polarization. And today we commemorate the life of Richard Hooker, a priest and theologian of the Church of England in the second half of the 16th century, which was, if I may say so, a time of hope and celebration, a time of uncertainty, conflict, and polarization. He was born four years before Elizabeth I became queen and was ordained in the year 1579 at a time when the shape and character of the relatively newly formed or reformed Church of England was being discerned and coming into its own and being contested as well, contested by the Puritans, those Protestant reformers in England who were steeped in the theology of John Calvin and the influence of the reformed city of Geneva, who were calling for even more sweeping changes within the church, and Richard Hooker was instrumental in answering their arguments, confirming the wisdom of the middle way rather than the more radical reforms of Geneva. In fact, I came across this story that the in this time of debate in the church, Richard Hooker was appointed the, the uh, master of the temple in London, where he preached daily in the mornings, while the Puritan Walter Travers was the reader at the same temple, which is to say the lecturer in the afternoon, so that it was said that in the Temple of London, they heard Hooker preach Canterbury in the morning and Travers preach Geneva in the afternoon. So it is either a great irony or it is entirely fitting that I should be here on this day to commemorate Richard Hooker, who defended the ecclesial body of the Church of England from the Puritan, since I myself come from that branch of the Christian family tree. Within my congregational church tradition, within the United Church of Christ, the Puritans are our spiritual ancestors. We trace our line back to the settling of the Massachusetts Bay and Plymouth, the congregation I now serve, in fact, took its name, Plymouth Church. And so in revisiting this debate of four centuries ago, I won't say that I'm here to say that the Puritans were, were wrong, not in so many words, but I will tell you that I am here to say that Richard Hooker was right. He was right, and it has to do with wisdom and the ways in which we discern God's wisdom. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth about wisdom. We speak wisdom, he wrote, though not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. We speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul wrote that God's wisdom, so, so very different from the wisdom of the age, so very different from the wisdom of the rulers of the age as to be unknowable by that path, that this wisdom was knowable by spiritual discernment. 
the discernment of the spiritual to whom God's wisdom and truth is revealed. Paul's letter raises questions about what we trust as sources of God's wisdom and how do we listen for God. One of the privileges of giving a concise homily instead of, say, uh, talking for a longer time, lecturing for an hour or two or even a semester, is that you get to reduce complex ideas to sweeping generalizations. And I'll do this really in respect to my own tradition. A sweeping generalization. The Puritans sought to reform the Christian church from its age of corruption and excesses by returning to the model of Christian faith they found in Scripture. They thought the simplest way to reform the church from its excesses is to go back to only what we find in Scripture. Famously, for example, they did not think much of observing Christmas. The date of Christmas is not in the Bible. They were concerned about the cultural excesses of Christmas celebrations, which is still a good point. And so Christmas as a religious festival was not in the New Testament, so it was out. The Puritans also only sang texts that were found in the Psalms or other uh, pieces of poetry from the scriptures. There were no other song or hymn text that would be sung in worship. God's wisdom is in scripture, and if it's not there, then it's not God's wisdom. Well, Richard Hooker had something to say about that. He agreed that Scripture is a vital source of God's wisdom, but he also noted that Scripture addressed particular communities, and not everything was meant to be universalized, applied in every time and place, nor was it meant to be the last word. To claim that there is no truth outside of Scripture is itself unscriptural, as we heard in the reading tonight about spiritual discernment. God's wisdom, Hooker proclaimed, is found in Scripture, and it is found in the gift of human reason. God's wisdom found in the reasoning, the insights, the spiritual discernment of people found in you. Which is, by the way, the view that I and my community of within the Calvinist tradition also share having set aside our uh, overzealous, overreactionary reform of some centuries ago. Christmas is back. <laughs> now, the idea that God's wisdom is found in human reasoning and insight and spiritual discernment may not seem like an important idea in an age when, when many of us are sort of used to having our own opinions and, and having our own say and going online and writing reviews. Let me tell you what I think. But it is an important idea, a precious gift, and in some ways a, a complex and difficult gift to hold. You have the capacity for reasoning that leads to God's wisdom being revealed. What a treasure and a responsibility. Yes, our thinking will be hampered by our the limitations of our perceptions, by our unconscious biases, by the lack of information we may have. We may be hampered by selfish rationalizations or reacting from our wounds or from our egos. Sure, sure, but God has given you 
the gift of spiritual discernment. This is a precious gift. It's a difficult gift because it's easier in a way to have some unchanging external standard bound up in a book so that you can just look up the truth somewhere and then be sure of it. That might save us from making errors in our thinking, but it also saves us from thinking at all. The gift of reason, the gift of spiritual discernment is a gift to handle with care, and we do so by reasoning and discerning together in community. We do so by studying the wisdom of Scripture and the wisdom of what the saints before us have passed on and the wisdom found in each other. Your thinking can lead to a revelation of God's wisdom, and it does so best when we are also listening and in dialogue with the voices of the whole communion, those who have gone before, those who are here now, especially the voices of those whose lives and experiences are different from our own. And so it is important for us within the church community, it is important for me especially as a straight white man to know and to make room in my life for the voices of women and people of color and the LGBT plus community. God is speaking within the community of people. God's wisdom comes to us in spiritual discernment, in the still small voice that you may hear at the depth of your being and from the depth of being of all our neighbors. Maybe tonight there is some holy wisdom within you that needs to be heard and trusted and shared. And God's wisdom, which is not recognized by the powers of this world, will lead us to a deeper peace, a fuller justice, a more loving and perfect communion. May it be so. Amen.
Let us say together prayer four on page three. Dear God, thank you for all that is good, for our creation and our humanity, for the stewardship you have given us of this planet Earth, for the gifts of life and of one another, for your love which is unbounded and eternal. O most holy and beloved, our companion, our guide upon the way, our bright evening star. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. May the peace of God which passes all our understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always.